You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 36, Investing in Relationships. Before we get into this topic with two guests I interview on today's show, there are two quick items I want to mention. First off, for those who would rather read the content of each episode, you can do so by reading the show notes that accompany each program. Just scroll down below whatever podcast player you use, and you'll see a general description of the episode. It's not a transcript, nor is it a traditional outline. It's just notes I work from for each episode. Here in the show notes, you'll also see links to resources mentioned in that episode. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you're not already receiving my weekly emails, I encourage you to sign up for my private email list. Those on this list get a brief email from me once a week where I share relationship resources information about the podcast, or other items that are more efficient to share with you in writing than through an audio channel like the podcast. Listener responses to the various episodes will often be in these weekly emails, and we've had some really good ones lately. I don't want you to miss out on this, so you can sign up by going to johnsertalic.com forward slash blog and then clicking on the form on the right-hand side of the page. It reads, uh, Access Our Relationship Resources. It's very easy to unsubscribe if you choose to do that after giving it a try. I'll have a link to this page on my website in the show notes. Now on with today's topic of investing in relationships. If you've ever wondered why relationships are sometimes challenging, and if they are even worth our investment in them, you'll want to stick around to hear what two experts in the field of relationships in the world of global Christian workers have to share with us. On our program today, we have Dr. Robert Luger and his wife, Debbie. They are founders of One Another Ministries, a missionary care ministry in England. My wife, Janet, and I have a similar missionary care ministry in the U.S. that we named Caring for Others. But I must confess my envy for what Robert and Debbie call their organization, One Another Ministries. It's my all-time favorite name of any ministry. I recently saw a list of all the One Another verses in the New Testament. There were 59 of them, with Love One Another being the most common. It's just a great name to describe what they stand for. Janet and I have known Robert and Debbie for several decades now, and have worked together with them in a few engagements in North Africa, Spain, and the island of Guernsey in the English Channel. As you'll soon find out, they are very interesting people. Well, welcome, Robert and Debbie, to our podcast. Let's begin talking about relationships, if you don't mind, with you telling our listeners about your ministry and how you got started in the world of caring for missionaries while you were planting churches in France. Thank you, John. Certainly, it's Nice to be able to be here and be able to chat about relationship and about ministry. And yes, we are so thankful for the ministry that God has given us. 
and One Another Ministries specializes in strengthening and encouraging international Christian workers, uh, especially in and around Europe, but then even in the regions surrounding Europe and in the regions beyond that. And yes, Debbie and I started our ministry years in pastoring and church planting, and God led us to Europe to do that, and we were able to help um, start churches in three different cities in France, and enjoyed that ministry immensely, and loved that time in church planting. Uh, But even from early on, during those years when we were doing church planting, we began seeing people in ministry having difficulties. And some of them, uh, their families were crumbling and marriages were falling apart and ministries were stagnating and crumbling. And God really began giving us just the burden to reach out to some of them and offer to, to talk with them. You know, if you need someone to talk to, we would be happy to, we're here and we'd be happy to talk with you. And They began coming to us, and so then during those years when we were uh, doing primarily a pastoral church planting ministry, still on the side, we were spending more and more of our time with these Christian workers that we could see needed help. And it was after that uh, third, we were turning over that third church plant, and realized that, okay, we had spent 15, 20 years at that point planting churches and had seen those churches um, planted and turned over. And we realized that, okay, in our lifetime, realistically, we could probably see that many more churches planted in Europe. But at the same time, we were seeing so many Christian workers leaving the ministry. And some were staying in the ministry, but... Um, they had lost the joy and effectiveness in their ministry and were had become totally ineffective. And I think at that time, God just really began bringing that back to our mind and heart and giving us that idea that, okay, with the rest of our lives, we could see X number of churches planted. But if we were able to help five or 10 or 20 or who knows how many, a hundred different Christian workers stay in ministry or be more effective in their ministries, think of the ripple effect and the multiplication effect and the number of churches that they could begin and and plant. And so I think that's really when we made the decision to, to change that focus of our ministry. And I still actually don't see our ministry as being totally different. I know that From the beginning, I believe that God called us to a pastoral ministry, and for many years we were doing that by pastoring local congregations as we were helping those churches to get started, but I still really look at our ministry as a pastoral ministry. It's just that the congregation that we are working with is no longer a local congregation. It is international Christian workers that we are helping to to pastor and shepherd and sometimes help them through difficult times and hopefully more often helping them to avoid difficult times and just to be more joyful and effective in the ministry that God has given them. Yeah, that's really interesting uh, as I hear you speak about how you saw an opportunity to 
to leverage what you've already been doing for and to have a greater impact than what you're mm-hmm. having even in your individual mm-hmm. church planting. So that that's great. Do you care to any, add anything, Deb? No, and I was just well, I was just going to add that we work with pastors and missionaries and in training and consulting, and that's kind of what you do when you are in the pastorate yeah. uh, position is helping them in, in that same way. So, yeah, it is it is interesting. You're kind of like you are doing the same thing, but just a different sure. a crowd. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I wanted to ask you about is, is just this whole area of relationships and and how sometimes, oftentimes, that's a struggle for Christian workers. And I'm wondering if, if you could share your thoughts on what you see in terms of some of the relationship issues that, that uh, international Christian workers typically deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say that that is a huge challenge and a huge struggle for many um, missionaries and international Christian workers. Uh, just that idea of isolation. And some people say, well, how can you know I be in isolation? I'm with people <laughs> constantly. And uh, but it really is that idea that um, to have true relationship and to be healthy in our lives and growing, we really do need to have some of those two-way relationships. And so often for people in ministry, virtually all of their relationships are one-way relationships where they are the one giving all the time. Mm. They are the authority. They are the teacher. They are the coach, the mentor. Um, So they are constantly the one giving out. Uh, But often they don't have a lot of relationships where that other person can also speak into their life and hold them accountable and, and be the one... Um, helping and and teaching and coaching them, um, and we need we need to have both of those. And it's a challenge for people in ministry to find, and then I think especially to maintain those kinds of relationships. Uh, the, the missionary community and the international Christian worker community tends to be pretty mobile, and so often. We see uh, Christian workers spending time trying to nurture those kinds of relationships on the field. Uh, And then people move. And people move on to another church or another country or another organization or another ministry. And so they start over and they try to nurture new relationships. And then those people move. And after three or four times, they tend to give up and say it's not worth it. We keep trying to build new relationships, and those people keep moving on. And so then they, they decide that that's, that's not worth the continual effort to renew those relationships, and they kind of resign themselves to a life of, of you know, pretty much isolation. Well, what do, what do you say then to a missionary who, who would agree with you, say, yeah, I am isolated, yeah, I do have these one-sided relationships where I'm... I'm pouring out, I'm investing, and then people leave, and I would long to have something that's more mutual. How, what, what do you say to, to folks like that? Hmm. I guess that the main thing I would say is that it really is worth the effort, and that we have to keep making the effort, that we have to realize that in order to be healthy, 
and joyful and effective long term, we need those kinds of two-way relationships and we need that community. And so it really is worth the effort to continue to do it. It certainly needs to be a matter of prayer. And we first of all need to just pray and ask God to bring those people across our paths and into our lives that we can develop those relationships with. And then realize that it's usually not going to happen automatically. We're not just going to fall into relationship. We have to intentionally um, make the effort and do things to to build those relationships, to invite people into our lives and to um, share with them and express interest in their lives and see you know which ones might end up being kindred spirits. As Robert was talking, I was thinking about sometimes we just get so tired as missionaries of initiating and always being the one of inviting or always being the one to initiate the friendship. And I, I know there have been times in ministry that I have caught myself being tired of that and, and slowing down, let's say pulling away from that mm-hmm. and realizing I can't do that. But then you see, other, you see people with needs and you, you think, I just want to reach out to that person and, and be a friend and encourage them. And so I think it's very important not to quit, not to quit that. Keep at it. Yeah, yeah, okay. What about relationships that missionaries have with their, with their, their teams, with each other? What, what are some threads that you see are in, in that whole arena of relationships? Mm-hmm. You know, we see everything that is part of the human experience. And we see wonderful friendships and wonderful working relationships and teams that uh, love each other and function well together. And we also see all the frustrations and difficulties and conflicts. And I guess especially since our ministry specializes in helping international Christian workers... Uh, we probably see more of the ones that have the struggles and the challenges. The ones that are functioning very smoothly, we don't tend to see quite so often. Um, but I guess we would, I would say that kind of in general, international Christian workers tend to be strong-willed, independent people. Um, because often if they weren't, then they often wouldn't make it. They wouldn't have made the decision to go to another country, and they wouldn't have done all the things that are necessary to get there. And so then you have a team full or a room full of strong-willed, independent people uh, with, with strongly held beliefs and ideas. And often, especially in faith missions, they have... They have each done all the work necessary to raise their own support, so basically pay their own salary. So then you have a room full of strong-willed, independent people who are independently salaried, saying, why should I do things your way when my way's better and I've raised my own salary? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we see um, plenty of opportunities for... Uh, challenges and for areas where where they need to learn to listen and defer 
and prefer others even above themselves and learn to, as we say, delight in the differences. Teams that are doing it well, what, what, does that, what do those relationships look like where they're the, the people you see less of? What, what, what do those relationships look like? What kind of qualities have you noticed in those kinds of environments? Mm-hmm. I think especially some of the biggest thing is just the communication and listening to each other and being open and honest and allowing for disagreement, not trying to hide disagreement and not trying to pretend that we all have to agree on things, um, realizing that, no, we have different opinions, and that's a good thing, it's not a bad thing, and encouraging those different opinions, and not thinking that just because we disagree, that means we dislike each other, or we aren't friends, or whatever. No, we can disagree on things, even very strongly, uh, but still agree on our ultimate goal, and realize that together we can come up with a better way to serve God and glorify Him and reach that goal. So I think there is that idea of of talking through the expectations, not just assuming that everyone else is thinking the same thing that I am and expecting the same things that I am, but verbalizing those expectations and asking questions and allowing for um, disagreements, and even challenging conversations, not shying away from them. And I think it's important to work together as a team, but also to have separate yourselves from the work time to the fun time and, have, and do something fun together and enjoy each other. You know, instead of just always being on a work environment, but pull away from that and do some fun things to enjoy each other. And see them in a different light. What what could us, what could supporters or uh, individuals and churches do to better support their missionaries on the field? What what ideas do you have for for our listeners that are in that camp? I think it's communicating, keeping communications open, and I think it's important for the missionary on the field to know what is going on at home. What are some activities yeah. that are going on, or what's going on in the church, or um, just keeping that communication open. Yeah. That's interesting you say that because sometimes I hear from churches the missionary doesn't communicate with us enough. But what I hear you saying is churches have that obligation too. They do. Because a lot of churches, when the pastors have left, the missionary doesn't hear about that till months, months later, a lot of times. Or, we, or you go back home and you don't realize there's been a new pastor you know, yeah. in your church. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. What what advice would would either one of you have for uh, new missionaries going out on the field in terms of um, uh, relationships with with their team, with their sending church, with their agency? What what suggestions would you have for them? Again, I guess I would probably say that communication really is a key. That uh, exploring expectations and trying to communicate their expectations, but then also really question and investigate the expectations that the others might have of them, yeah. so that we're not um, assuming or putting demands on each other or assumptions. Yeah. 
unrealistically that we really are talking with each other and making sure that we are that we're on the same page you know one relationship issue that Janet and I see with uh, uh, missionaries and international Christian workers that we work with is this tension between being 6,000 miles away and having aging parents at home that are in poor health and and just trying to to deal with with that and and I'm, I'm I know you, both of you are dealing with that yourselves. Do you? mm-hmm. How how do you um, how has that been stressful in 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 your life and in uh, the lives of other missionaries that that you see and and how do you process that and what what recommendations would you have for um, missionaries that are in similar search situations? Hmm. That's a huge. Yeah. Wow, that's a huge. I guess I would say that that is a huge stressor for a lot of missionaries. Those reaching that age where um, parents would, you know, have needs and and have special health needs, and that that does put a a huge stress and a huge pressure on them. And for so many, it really is that idea of of balancing those desires to serve God and to carry out the ministry that that he has given us and you know putting not looking back when we put the hand to the plow type thing but at the same time following God's um, commandment to honor parents and okay how do I then do both of those and how do I make sure that I faithfully carry out the ministry that God has given me and at the same time honor the parents that God has given me in a way that would be pleasing to God and honoring to Him. And so juggling, walking that tightrope is the the difficulty for a lot of Christian workers. I would have to say that along that line, at least from our experience and what we have seen of so many that are in that situation— uh, the supporting churches and home churches really do seem to be understanding in that area and seem to be supportive. And um, often there's not a lot they can do, but it, at least the people that we have talked to, it seems like they haven't gotten criticism or pressure from the churches, but they have gotten understanding and support from them. So that's been very encouraging. Unfortunately, in Missions 101, you don't have a book, you know, that tells you exactly from A to Z how to handle this or how to do it. And it is difficult. And I know I found myself in just a lot of prayer and knowing that I have a responsibility where God has placed me, but also to let my family back home know that if you really, really need me, I am available to come and help in those emergency times. Anything else that you'd care to share about uh, just some observations that you've had about, you know, the good things that you've seen in terms of uh, missionaries relating with each other or churches relating with missionaries, with their own missionaries or sending agencies? Any last parting words that either one of you have? I think it's important to keep um, communication between your churches. And I know today with technology, that there are ways of keeping in communication with your missionaries and and vice versa. And one way is through uh, 
video. They've done, you know, a church will call us and do a Skype call or a oh. FaceTime call and then present that to the church uh -huh. or in the different Sunday schools and stuff and some, something like that, which is really helpful to them to know what we're, what's going on and what we're doing. Yeah, our church has done that a couple of times too, and it's always, I always like that mm. to, to, to actually see a video of someone on, right. on screen. Kind of yeah, right. right. That's great. That yeah, good idea. I guess I would just say that uh, from the experience that we have had uh, serving on the mission field for the years, just um, seeing that that has provided opportunities for some of the closest relationships and friendships that we could ever have imagined. Mm. And we have had mm. the opportunity to build relationship with some of those back home who have been uh, supporters and kept in contact because of wanting to pray for and partner with the ministry and then at the same time have opportunities to get to know and meet and, and develop relationships with um, non-Christians and Christians alike in so many different countries and parts of the world that we never would have imagined otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it has just been such a blessing from God to be enriched in that way, by, especially by those in His family. Well, if people want to get in touch with you and want to know more about you, how, how could people find out about what you, both of you are doing with mm -hmm. one another ministries? Easiest way is through the website. It's just oneanother.com. So just the words one another, O N E A N O T H E R.com. And we'll have a link to that in the, in the show notes. So, well, thank you very much, both of you. This has thank been great. you. Thank you. It's been John. our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Here are a few things that I'm walking away with from this interview with Robert and Debbie. First of all, this, this whole issue of missionaries being in isolation because of people coming and going in their life where they also are by nature givers and not takers. And it reminded me of some relationships that I've had too where it's been more one-sided. You know, the thing that Robert talked about as being kind of dangerous because when we have these one-sided relationships, we are so susceptible to isolation and and eventually giving up. But the thing I think about with that is to ask myself, am I more of a taker than I am a giver? When I think about one-sided relationships, I often think about what am I not getting? But perhaps a better question is, what am I not giving? A, f a former missionary told me recently uh, this, uh, and I'm quoting it exactly, I like talking to you because you fill my relational tank so that I can listen to the people who drain it. I sure don't want to be someone that drains it. I want to be someone that fills it. A second takeaway from this interview is the idea that it's important not to give up when relationships are one-sided, that we should initiate and pursue people anyway, that we can pray that the Lord will bring people into our lives where we do have a mutual give and take. But in the meantime, don't pull away. Thirdly, good relationships allow for disagreement. They encourage differences. I, I really like that. 
Uh, it reminds me of a book, uh, one of Patrick Lanchoni's books. I can't remember which one, but he talked about um, conflict. And one of the points he mentioned is that in organizations, it's not that we have uh, conflict, it's that we don't have enough of it. That goals of an organization can be accomplished when we bring to the surface conflict that already exists and then deal with it. A really dangerous thing in an organization is to have underlying conflict that is never dealt with, that people don't talk about. If we can talk about it, we're halfway to solving the conflict. Number four, good relationships talk through expectations and question assumptions. We're going to have a whole podcast episode one of these days on on assumptions. It's something that I find rather fascinating because it's something that we are all so prone to do. And as someone once said, assumption is the lowest form of communication, followed closely by email. The fifth takeaway that I'm walking away with is a concept that Debbie talked about, and that is that when we work very closely with people, that we should build in times for fun and recreation to separate the work from the personalities, to separate the work from our relationships, to to really enjoy each other, and to do that uh, in ways that uh, lets us forget about, about work. And then finally, number six, uh, this whole interchange with Robert and Debbie reminds me of of that principle we talked about before, about this, that that you were made for this, that acronym for transcendent relationships that honor uh, each other and that initiate and through selfless service. The two letters that come out for me uh, most uh, markedly in this interview is H, honor. That Robert and Debbie, what they've been doing with their whole lives is to honor God by obeying the call uh, on, on their lives that God called them into missionary service many years ago. He called them to Europe. He called them to France to to plant churches. And now he's called them to work with missionaries, global Christian workers, to help increase their effectiveness. And um, that's a great example of of, uh, our relationship with God by honoring what he has called us to do. And then the other letter is S, T-H-I-S, selfless service. So much of what Robert and Debbie do are all about serving others selflessly and at great sacrifice. They could be doing lots of other things with their with their lives. Both of them are very talented in many different areas, but they are focusing on this one area that God has called them um, to do to glorify Him and to advance His kingdom. Well, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode our show in a sentence. It's this. It's important to invest in our relationships even when the return is low because the alternative is isolation and loneliness. Well, how can we respond to today's show? What's something we can do? Well, one thing we can do is to reflect on our relationships and ask God to show us if we are more of a taker than a giver. Do we drain the energy from people or do we pour into them? Do we wait for people to initiate with us, or do we initiate with them? Let's pray that however we answer these questions, the Lord will show us what to do next. And as always, I welcome your feedback. 
Well, before I leave you with our Relationship Quote of the Week, I want to thank you for joining us today and for showing the world the character of Jesus by the way we relate to each other. Our goal here is that you will feel good about your relationships, knowing that you are doing everything you can through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to make your relationships the best they can be. And now for our Relationship Quote of the Week. There are no words to express the abyss between isolation and having one ally. It may be conceded to the mathematician that four is twice two, but two is not twice one. Two is two thousand times one. G.K. Chesterton. Let me read it again because it takes a while to sink in, at least for me. There are no words to express the abyss between isolation and having one ally. It may be conceded to the mathematician that four is twice two, but two is not twice one. Two is two thousand times one. G.K. Chesterton. Well, that's all for today. Too much math for my blood, but I will see you next time. Goodbye for now.